0: everybody, welcome back to the Dual Screens Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Stephen Fontana, and is with and with me, as always, those are words, and they go together in a sentence, and they form a coherent thought. He's Andy Asimakis. How are you, Andy?
1: I feel good. Me too. Steven. Me too. I feel like we get into a lot of stuff about how games are made from a technical standpoint. Sure. Inspirations of a story. Right. But diving into the artistry of
0: mm. the game. hmm
1: the, the You know talent The, mi- the minutia I know, The minutia of, of the
0: visual Yes The visual minutia as it were
1: It's been a so, while since we've had an artist on the show It is and,
0: and not only that but we got like Top, top tier mm-hmm. Here That's right ladies and gentlemen With us is Jeff Hanna The principal technical artist at Volition Who's worked on Red Faction Guerrilla Agents of Mayhem Of course the Saints Row franchise And I don't know Maybe you heard that there's a new one coming Maybe, I don't know, if you're not living under a rock. Jeff, welcome to the show.
2: New Saints Row, not New Agents of Mayhem. No. Uh, As much as I love that product and there is love for that product, uh, we're back on Saints Row.
0: Back on the Saints Row, yes. Um, that actually kind of uh, took a lot of people by surprise, the The announcement that this thing was coming out. But before we get into your career, before we get into anything else, let's tell people A, what, you're, what show you're on, what it's about, and B, what the hell they're listening to. Folks, this is the Dual Screens Podcast, the internet's number one developer interview podcast starring two dudes you've never heard of probably the show posts each and every Friday for your listening pleasure on your podcast service of choice including our home Podbean, and of course you can find this everywhere else Spotify Stitcher Google Play Apple Podcasts, your sister's ass wherever we're everywhere literally everywhere you go and you look you'll find us we're there and of course you can watch the video version on YouTube.com slash dual screens TV and if you want to support us on Patreon it's simple go to patreon.com slash NDS podcast and we want to thank our three people Patreon producers Colton the Apprentice Nestler Vegas Girl on Fire and of course F N H Paul. We can't continue to grow without all of your support. This show is possible and guests like Jeff are all because of the hard-earned cash dollar bills that you give us so that we can continue living our dreams. So thank you so very much for doing that. Now Andy, I'm sure you've been salivating about this one for a little bit. You've been you've been salivating at the at the glands. The gla- your glands are salivating. I could see it.
1: Hit us with our
0: ceremonial opening question of the show.
1: Jeff, just so you know, there's always a lead off question Mm -hmm. in the podcast. To sort of like break the ice at the top. I'm suddenly very nervous. And usually I spend like a good chunk of the day marinating my own thoughts. What could be the lead off question? Mm -hmm. It's got to be good, to the point, you know, energetic. Never has a question come so easily. Oh, wow. With this show. Is that why you had time for the nap? Uh, Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) How much would it cost to commission you to draw a picture of myself beating up Steve with a dildo bat? Um, Wow. Wow.
2: Literally priceless. Mm. You guys are putting a lot of emphasis on the artist portion of technical artists. Uh (laughs) At this point in my career, I trend much more towards the technical side of that definition. I did start in the industry as a 3D modeler. I was an art director. I was an art director at a very small startup. I've done visual effects. Um, But honestly, from the point that I was an art director, which is like 2004, 2005 until now, uh, I have leaned entirely towards writing artist tools so that they can worry about iterating on the art and not worrying about the technical aspects of making the game so i am essentially a very specialized programmer right now mm. um, so i could probably maybe code something up that would simulate him getting hit with a dildo bat but you don't that want is incredible out, I, I,
0: yeah. that, that's blue that's blue pill red pill stuff andy that's what that is <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what that is. Jeff, so from the. So, you want to. Yeah. Go, go into a little bit more of w- what your actual role is. I know you just kind of briefly explained it, but also um, maybe your day-to-day like go over what your day-to-day is when it comes to especially because you're not you're not just the you know a little indie dev that could you're not you know a six-person team like you are part of a, a well-oiled machine this is like the sausage factory how the sausage is made fennel edition like the, like you are a very specialized part of the sausage so why don't you give us a little bit of a deep dive as to what your role is
2: um so in high school remember the theater nerds
0: yes i was one of them
2: Okay, you remember the, remember the stage crew, like the, the, the sub-theater nerds?
0: Yes, we smoked pot with some of them. Yes,
2: yes I, I am the game development version of the stage crew. Um, if you put a programmer and an artist in a room and tell them that they need to come to a decision on something, they will have a very detailed and very interesting discussion, and they will both get up and walk out of that room and go do two entirely different things. Okay. They will, they will use the same words, They will have the same ideas, but their lexicon is completely different. And so they will come to two completely different conclusions. And so a technical artist is a weird breed of person that can think down the middle of that brain divide. Um, Like I just said a few minutes ago, I started off as a 3D modeler in the gaming industry. Uh, My my degree is specifically, at the time it was called technical graphics technology, which is horribly oxymoronic. Yeah, that's... it's now called computer graphics technology. Um, I was trained up in the full gamut of graphic arts, marker, pens, gouaches, airbrush, all that stuff. Nobody uses anymore. Uh, I used to have a tackle box in college full of a bunch of overexpensive physical media that no one would even pay me one tenth of it for now. Um, so I am traditionally trained in graphic arts, but I also, I started college as an engineer and failed horribly. And so I have that sort of mind also and so I can I can understand what the program is saying and I can understand what the artist is thinking. And my job is mostly a communicator, but my form of communication is email because we all use email, but also uh, writing a tool scripting a program um, that the artist can use to express their vision without having to worry about all of the technical issues about making that vision work in the game engine, which is what the programmer is horribly worried about. And so whether I'm running a tool to run on top of a piece of commercial software like uh, Autodesk Maya, 3DS Max, or on on a game engine or Unreal, Unity, or in the case of Volition, our own homegrown 3D engine, Um that's where I do my communication skills is I I make sure that the artist doesn't have to worry about the technical issues and the programmer doesn't have to worry about getting art that isn't going to work within the specifications defined for the engine in the game.
0: So is it kind of like you know, hey, let's let's do X, Y, and Z, and then you'll you'll kind of just interject and be like, Well, that won't work, but if you do this, I can make that work kind of thing. Like I I could get from I could get you from point A to point B. You know, but but like you kind of set those ground rules a little bit. You're kind of like a mediator.
2: A a little bit. Generally, the programmer is going to know more about the rules. My job is, oh, okay. So let's say we want to, when a vehicle hits a an obstacle, let's say it's a fire hydrant, a curb, a cat, a pedestrian, um, whatever. That when the vehicle dark very quickly. (laughs) Grandma. the vehicle takes damage along with the body crumpling we want to make sure that realistically the wheels offset from where they were so that you know it helps sell the idea that the the vehicle is damaged plus you don't want the 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 wheels stuck in its original position on the axle and then poking through the crumpled body so how do we handle how do we handle damaging and moving where the wheels are located okay well the artist is doing this in in the 3d software we use 3ds max for vehicles and so they've exported the data in this way i can now in a tool look through all that data find where the vehicle attachment points are for the wheels and then we can we can do some things either by having the artist generate more data in max to tell me where to move those things or just fudging it you know writing a little a little mathematical algorithm to say well move it this far and so then the data coming out the far into my tool when you put into the game will handle that extra bit of realism that we want to put into it
1: is that a, uh, is, it, how does go ahead andy no i was going to say how does someone get into this particular kind of work it sounds very specialized it is in, in game and i will i will say that when when did i join
2: I started giving roundtables at the game developers conference for technical artists 12 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I set a goal for myself that year. I was either going to get a published in a magazine or I was going to speak at a conference and you it's the general rule of be careful what you wish for. <laughs> I accomplished both. Um, but. I got to I got to the game developers conference and i'm going to do a roundtable so there's different types of things that happen at game developers Conference. There's lectures, which is one person speaking to many. There are roundtables which is literally a group of people sitting in a room and, and having a free flowing discussion. And I thought that'd be more interesting plus it's a little easier to get one of those approved um, and so I did that and I didn't know at that time, I was still at I was still at mythic working on dark age of camelot I didn't know if anybody else in the industry even did what I did. Um, I, had, I, I Before Dark Age of Camelot and Mythic, I'd done a little startup where I was an art director and I had the budget for one artist at this startup. And I actually got the budget extended to get two artists. But I realized that as the art director, I had to somehow force multiply. And so I taught myself the scripting language inside of 3D Studio Max so that I could save these artists from doing repetitive tasks. And that's really the genesis of what a technical artist is, is how do you make the artist's life easier? Right. And so I decided to hold these round tables, and next thing I know, the conference assistants are turning people away, because the room by fire code only holds 120 people. And wow. those, those round tables are three times a week for the, the week of GDC. You do them Tuesday, Wednesday, or you do them Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I've run those round tables now for 12 years. About three years after the roundtables, I held the first ever technical artist boot camp at GDC. And a boot camp is just it's a it's a day of lectures specifically for a, di- a discipline. And so artists had been saying GDC is where programmers go. There's not a lot of information for us. And so I was like, well, let's let's just have a day. And so I promoted this idea. And at the end of the again, standing room only. And at the end of the day, I got the asked the most scary question I've ever been asked in my life, which was. What are you gonna do for this next year? I hadn't thought past the first year (laughs) um, at all. Oh my! At this point, I've actually been invited onto the advisory board that runs GDC because they were looking for technical artist representation because this whole thing has kind of exploded. And so I'm like, "Uh, uh, what do I do? Well, we've now been running those for 10 years and it might be 14 on the round tables and 12 on the boot camps, it gets a little hazy. But of like the dozen or so boot camps that have been run, I've done two of them. And every year, a different notable person in the tech artist community says, Hey, Jeff, I'll take it this year. And so now it's become this sort of community franchise thing that just runs. So it's all blown up from this one, I don't even know if anyone's going to walk in the room to this round table to a Decade plus of the roundtables and a decade plus of the boot camps and a thriving community with our own web forum and a Slack channel. And we actually incorporated like two days ago, not I'm sorry, like two years ago, um, so that we could do better fundraising. And because it's easy to go to Autodesk and say, Hey, I represent this nonprofit. Could you give us some money to run a party at GDC versus, Hey, my name's Jeff and I've got this community on the internet and I'd like to get some money from you? And so <laughs> there's, there there's, There's technical artists all over the world that contribute to this thriving community. And we talk across company boundaries and we freely share information and how to do things. And so it's become this wonderful little gem of a community on top of my career. And it's really kind of bizarre because it all goes back to, hey, I want to get published this year. That's my goal for this new year is I want to get published. And it just, it's, it's mind blowing. Uh, And I completely forgot what we were talking about because you guys asked me to define what tech art is. Tech art literally is a group of people who are focused on making the the lives of artists easier Mm. and making the games better by making sure there's no issues to get to a vision.
0: Right. I mean, yeah. There, there's different types of there. There's different programmers. Like I know a friend of mine. He's a an AI programmer. Like he specializes in programming AI in games. Like that's that's what he does, and that runs, you know, in tandem with the main scripting. Uh, you know systems and then so like you do have an an art system that also plays in with this with this situation but it sounds like in when you first did this did you find more people as you as you started doing these roundtables did you find more and more people that thought they too were the only person that did this job where they were or by then was it a like defined position
2: no early on it was very much oh my gosh i found i found kindred spirits And early on in the roundtables, a lot of the discussions all week long were, how do I lie on my resume? Because this company is hiring for this, this company is hiring for that. Nobody even knows what tech art is. Hmm. And so nobody's hiring for what I want to do. And so it, we literally were like, well, just call yourself an artist and do this and this and then get in there. And then while you're doing the jobs they've given you as an artist, start writing little scripts for the other artist and you'll find that you'll get like we were we were figuring out how to do end runs around the man, basically, to make sure that we all had jobs. And now some of the discussions are like, well, I'm graduating next May with my master's degree in tech art. And I just I still to this day can't fathom that that's occurred. That there's now entire university curriculum about this stuff.
1: That's it's, amazing.
2: It's been, it's been. Oh, by the way, I have uh, a single dad, two teenage daughters, and we just got a kitten. That's awesome.
0: I my cat's <laughs> over here. Don't worry, we're, we're we're cat people. Well, at least I am. He's a dog. His dog's probably behind him.
2: Oh, they might oh, yeah. walk. walking Making through.
0: No, no worries um that that's incredible because like honestly when, when you look up what, what this is and you, you, like i come from the theater world there's always the technical director right like the technical director their job is to make sure that the equipment and and the vision speak to each other like that's really what it comes down to the director's like i want to i want the pink to be in the this area and then the technical director goes all right well we're going to have to hang the grid this way it's going to have to be you know we're going to have to run the wires this way we're going to have to you know whatever um so like it, i could kind of draw the line there a, a little bit it's a, it's yeah. it's an
2: unfortunate change in labeling and this is probably just because of how they came about in the gaming industry but i i could go get a job in the movie industry right now and i would be called the technical director it's the okay. same role it's just we just we ended up calling them two different things
1: got it so, so if someone asks if you're an artist, you just go, technically. Um, actually, <laughs> even what I like, I'm like, oh Also, you're an
2: artist, and I would go, no, I'm a graphic designer because I prefer to get paid for my work.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. <laughs> De- definitely. So, uh, with, you've been you've been kind of on a. I mean, I, I guess Volition in general has been kind of on a little blitz lately with. Uh, with the reveal of of the new Saints Row and and all that fun stuff, Can we, what, what has that been like for you guys as a team? Seeing all is, that kind of get finally, it, it, is it really like, oh, our babies finally, like people know it exists? Thank God! Like, what is that like?
2: We've been we've been quiet on this one for quite a while. Although I do believe the CEO of uh, THQ Nordic, now Embracer Group, I believe Lars did mention in an earnings call almost. 18 months. It was definitely pre-COVID times. In the before times. In the
0: before um, times, yes.
2: We were working on a Saints Row. But to finally have it out there and see and let people see where we've located it and what we want to do with it and that it's not uh, it's not a sequel to four because, as we've said, uh, once you blow up the planet, you've sort of narratively written yourself into a corner. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little hard. Um, but to to show and and like we showed in the vision trailer, there is so much new blood at Volition, and to see what they wanted to bring to the product and and where it's taken us and and I see what we've done. We've been working on this thing for since a before AOM shipped. Literally, I mean, we always there's always overlap. Um, to see what we've done and yes the game is definitively a Saints Row game but there are so many new thoughts in there and there's so much input from new people to see how this thing can act. just like I'm talking about tech art to see where it was because when I when I joined in 2006 when I came to Volition um they were still working on Saints Row 1 And it hadn't released yet and it was going to be on the Xbox 360 and to see where we've gone from one all the way through four and now to Saints Row again. And how it all is still there, but it is being expressed in this new different fun definite way of the times we're in and with the whole new the look of it and it's literally the best looking game we've made since I've been at volition and i've been there for 16 years 2015 years um it's it really is, it's exciting. Um, It's exciting to see the company, especially what we've been through. Uh, We haven't worked together as a group in a building in 18 months. And to see the fact that that hasn't stopped the momentum of this thing and what people want to do to it is really just kind of astounding to me.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of of a reboot because you have the original series can exist in its own bubble in a sense like here or the original games that you know and love and now here's a fresh take where things can go wildly different and in new directions and it, it is like super exciting as you said yeah and and to know to, we've definitely found our footing at three
2: like yeah, we, for three sure is is you know that's where we realized that the over the top let the player do whatever the heck they want and a lot of the ethos on three was convince us why we shouldn't um Mm. right like that's you'd be walking down the hall and somebody have an idea and you'd be like convince me why we shouldn't and suddenly (laughs) you have i don't know if you guys ever played the dlc but with the dubstep gun and Mm. people (laughs) dance um occasionally i don't know i don't understand production but occasionally in the schedule there's like a gap week and we call those awesome weeks and literally (laughs) on an awesome week and you get maybe if you're lucky you get one You'll definitely get one, but if you're lucky, maybe you'll get two awesome weeks in a project. But during an awesome week, you have the literally the edict to go do something in the game engine that isn't on the schedule. Go do whatever you want, right? Get a team together and do something. Do something by yourself. At the end of one of the Saints Row 3 Awesome Weeks, two different groups could come up with the concept of the dubstep gun. (laughs) without talking to each other. And we're like, well, that's got to go in, right? And so there it is. And I can't enumerate all of them, but from Saints Row 3 through 4 and Get Out of Hell and even some things in Agents of Mayhem, many of the things you see in those games are the results of Awesome Week. Because at the end of the week, we have a meeting and everybody presents their Awesome Week ideas and they get rated. And then they get put on the schedule as definitives, maybe let's readdress this later sort of things. And they all quite quite a lot of them end up in the final product. And so just to know that we've, we found that putting our own voices in the game and going with the humorous things like, okay, well, let's do a gun that's actually a DJ mix table that causes the world to some reason spawn um, just rave lights. And then everyone dances themselves to death. Let's just do that. Right. body <laughs> let's, let's, why should we say no to whatever the player may want to do? And to know that we're now going back to Saints Row, we're going back to, to beginnings, basically, but we're bringing the knowledge of that's what the franchise is truly all about with us means that this game is going to be outstanding, and we know that right now the path forward from this may be super windy and hard to see right now, but we know where that path is supposed to go, and that's going to help us define what that path is, mm. and Lord knows, right? It's gonna it's gonna be as fun a trip as it's been in the previous 16 years of Volition to see what hopefully for me the next 16 years are.
1: You know, it sounds like everyone gets a, a, a decent shot at like fame because when you have a game that features a dubstep gun and a dildo bat, I feel like <laughs> from can't get from, over that one huh? From the from the tippy tippy top person down to like the guy bringing the bagels in the morning. Everyone can give an idea to what this game could look like. Because what's off the table at that point?
2: The the only thing that's (laughs) really on the table at that point is you making the suggestion. Have to understand that it will be listened to. Yeah, it it may it may be vetoed for some other reason. and That's literally like you know.
0: You 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 know exactly what what question I want to ask here, and I know Andy wants to ask it too. Give us give us one that never made it. Give us one awesome week idea that you thought was just phenomenal, but it just couldn't it couldn't get put in.
2: I can't. I can't
0: because I'm gonna probably. Oh, because you might use it some at some point. (laughs)
1: Exactly, and so that would be information away.
0: Should we come up with our own awesome week idea?
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's should we should, we should we do a a, <laughs> should we do a, 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 brain, a brainstorming sesh? I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around a game that has dildo bats in oh, it. Here we what go. does it what does it make it in? Do you- and I I it's like it's going to give me the aneurysm one day years from now. Yeah. So it's going to happen.
2: I mean, let's, let's talk about some other things about the game. You seem fixated on. Yeah, Nintendo. well, he's, he's, oh, yeah, well,
1: yeah, he's a,
0: yeah, he, he you know. he's, he's a garbage person.
2: Um, <laughs> I, do, I do know of a member of the press who has one of those in his basement and doesn't know what to do about it. I can probably hook you up if you're looking to add one. To he
0: absolutely game. would. Yes. There's not a question and in, in you shouldn't have even offered that because now you will get a follow-up email.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> with my mailing address
1: and yes. all the information. And a prepaid with, envelope. A, yes. <laughs> a box. And a prepaid, like, <laughs> UPS overnight label. You can a six-foot box.
0: <laughs> but you must, you must autograph it, though, because it has to be a, a Jeff Hanna autographed.
2: I won't say that I haven't
1: done that before. That's, no. like, mental-worthy, you know? It is. It absolutely. It is.
0: And it will be your first weapon of choice during the zombie apocalypse, whenever that is. And according to our calendars, it's probably 2023. It's coming. It's coming. We've hit many of the apocalypse already <laughs> This yeah. last 18 months. But you I want can... some of them show up on eBay used every now and then. That is, we... unf- Ooh, we used, y- right. gently used.
2: Yeah. So you should. <laughs> um. <laughs> Well, I mean, what do you do as a member of the press who's been hanging on to one of these things for like 10 years? What are you doing, right? You
1: know, I know. What does that garage sale look like at some point? <laughs> <laughs> Here's like my, my, my grandma's old quilts, some china, like an old cuckoo clock, and this massive purple dildo bat. And the one that is
2: <laughs> is, I mean, you guys know THQ got sold off.
1: Yes.
0: Yeah.
2: Like a while ago well i don't like the e3 for saints row 3 they commissioned some custom shop in la to make professor genki's pickup truck oh my god one that scooped up the humans and played yeah uh, yeah. and shot the humans out of the cannon and it shot (laughs) And it, it, I mean, it had the it had the cat eyes on the front of it. It, it was perfect. It had speakers. It played the John Susa music, the John Philip Sousa <laughs> music. It was it was not highway legal, but supposedly there's video of it tearing around LA on the four hundred five. Uh, <laughs> but I was told by the then head of Volition, like a like two years after the fact, because th- these things never all get sold at once. He's like, hey, they're selling off like the last THQ warehouse. And the professor Genki pickup truck is there, and my brother and I do. A, there's a racing series called the 24 Hour of Lemons. I don't know if you've heard of it, but mm-hmm. you have to you have to prove to the judges you haven't spent more than five hundred dollars on the, car. Um, <laughs> the base car. You you get unlimited and for safety and you have to put a roll cage and a fuel cutoff mm-hmm. and you have to wear the fire suit it's literally the cheapest way to do true fender to fender racing we race in 1992 ford escort gt with like a quarter million miles on the clock but the head of volition like hey jeff i know you do that like racing thing and they're trying to sell like professor Genki pickup truck <laughs> because it's just rocking away in a warehouse and i'm like i can't i just <laughs> i can't and it's probably one of my biggest regrets because it would have been the funniest damn <laughs> thing ever. I have no idea what happened to it. Oh. It's probably been chopped up for parts oh. at this point. But, yeah, it, it, it's upsetting because that thing was.
0: <sighs> <laughs> so um, s- switching gears a little bit. Um, you, before the show, we were, we were talking about um, how difficult it's really been to develop this game Throughout COVID, I mean, this is we've we've had the COVID. We, believe it or not, a lot of smaller development teams kind of thrived during COVID because they they can work together as a team t- all around the clock. They didn't have hours that or whatever, and they could be with their families. They could say, "All right, I'm going to go take you know take my kids to the park. I'll be back later, and like everything would be fine." Um, so they really weren't harmed as much. Plus, showing off their game was was. Uh, wasn't as difficult because you could get you know do the streaming through Discord and all this stuff. We did packs online a couple of times already, um, E3 and all that fun stuff. So for a smaller development team, I could imagine you know it's definitely way different for a team like Volition.
2: It it is and it isn't. Um, I was I was impressed. I was beyond impressed with how quickly we went remote, and I really shouldn't have been. Hmm. Um, we went from 200 ish people in the office to about six people in the office in about a day and a half. Wow. Um, and the reason for that is, uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this. We're located in Champaign, Illinois. Mm -hmm. If you draw a line from Chicago to St. Louis, North South line from Chicago to St. Louis, and you draw a line directly West from Indianapolis, where those two lines meet is basically Champagne, and you'll notice that from any of those three cities, before you get to Champagne, it's nothing but cornfields. We're literally in the middle of the Midwest, and so you don't get. It's hard to hire people. I mean, we get good people. Um, I don't know. You want me to pause my my no. To get it's fine. It's yeah. completely it's fine. fine. Um, so we we rely on a very good amount of outsourcing, and we always have. Um, we, we really started leaning heavily on outsourcing with Red Faction Guerrilla and a lot of studios do outsourcing with, we're going to send you a lot of paper information about the things we want. You make them, you send them back to us, and then we will make them work in our game. And we realized that we didn't have the overhead for that. And so our ethos has always been team expansion. No matter what outsourcing company we work with or how we work with them they are considered an extension of our team, which means that they are considered first class users of our tool set. We write our own tool set. We don't use an Unreal, we don't use a Unity. You'll find of the companies that do open world games, up to this point, none of them use an off the shelf engine because it's a very hard technological problem that you have to solve. And so we have a server room in our building downtown, about four miles from me, and it has our asset database in it. And no matter where you are in the world, if you are one of our outsourcers, you connect to that whole system the way we do internally. You use the same tools we use. You're talking to the same databases you, we that we use. And literally, what that means, and this I in the course of Red Faction alone, I think I went to Shanghai, China. I went to shanghai china 11 times in 10 years across like two products and you put me at a wi-fi connection with a laptop and i can work no matter where i am in the world i can get to my desktop computer here and i can work i've worked from a corner office on a high rise in kuala lumpur malaysia during the development of aom um and so we just had this ability to remote our data so well that when the call came down hey nobody come into the office COVID, everybody worked from home Install this client. We use a desktop client called Splashtop and type in these credentials and you're good to go. It just worked for everybody because of our history of being able to treat outsourcers as a member of our own team. It just worked. Now, over time, we've done a few different things like the animators didn't like the lag. And so we took their work machines to their houses and established VPNs um the sound designers were the first ones back in the office because there's more equipment in their sound studios at the office than there is at home but for the most part we have been working as a separated remote team for 18 months and i haven't seen recently although i don't think it's dipped too much our work statistics over the first three or four months of the pandemic uh we got more accomplished
0: oh that was gonna be my next got, question oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah my yeah It didn't, you had no impact, you had no impact on the schedule, or or it was just
2: there's been impacts. I mean, it's it gets it look, it gets to everybody, right? And people had to figure out how this is going to be, and then you got to develop your own works habits. But it wasn't, there's been like well, crap, we have to delay the game a year because of this. and we're, we're right where we're supposed to be on it. So in terms of major impacts, absolutely not. That's amazing. In terms of cutting features, none that I know
1: of.
0: Wow. That's Man. amazing. That's awesome.
1: The studio's nimble. I do want to ask, because you work for a, a larger company. I saw this thing recently. It was um, from Sean Layden, the former head of uh, PlayStation Studios about the growing costs of AAA game development mm-hmm. and how you can see potentially games of huge AAA scale costing like $200 million just to make at some point. What are your thoughts on that? Do you see games, you know, as you move into the future with these new consoles getting like, with these huge price tags just to even make and to ship out the door are you guys? I think,
2: well, prices are always gonna go up. When I started in the industry in 95, a game with a budget of six figures was like, holy crap, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, and it it hasn't stopped and the numbers still kind of always astounding. I think that calculation though is based on a certain knowledge of what the human cost to make a game is. And that is going to be offset and is already being offset massively by procedural systems hmm. we have to rely more on the technology helping us get to the end goal than we have in the past and there are some amazing off-the-shelf packages houdini is amazing for procedural generation of art assets um procedural generation of missions is probably already being done somewhere i'm not 100 aware of it but i wouldn't doubt it um we have to rely more on using the cpu cycles as an ally up front than just basically the camera to deliver the film at the end of the day mm. and that that will that will not necessarily keep costs where they are today the costs are always going to go up um but do i think because the the brunt of that article was really it was it really pushed towards game pass is not going to be viable and i don't buy that Mm. I think Game Pass is going to be entirely viable. I have talked to various developer friends who have their indie developer friends who have their games on Game Pass and say that the revenue share from Microsoft is phenomenal. Now, I don't know what the financials are at Microsoft for that. I don't know how much that, I don't know if it's a loss leader. I don't know how much money they're funneling into Game Pass right now to make it work. But you know, a corporation like Microsoft has figured this out they know if if they're doing a lost leader thing on it right now they know the point in time where it is going to go from being in the red to being in the black for them
1: right um
2: and they wouldn't be doing this because they've invested a lot into game pass they've invested a lot into xcloud they're going the extra step here in, in a couple of weeks to put xCloud on current gen Xbox hardware to address the fact that we can't get new Xboxes unless you're willing to pay scalper prices or pay scalper prices. Um, (laughs) So so they're relying on their ability to make Packs and xCloud work for everybody to keep the gamers engaged over that hump. And so they wouldn't be doing this if they didn't have complete faith that that system was the way forward. And so do I think that it's gonna fall apart because people are gonna make a $200 million game and they're not gonna be able to make their money off of back off of X or game pass, excuse me. Um, no, I don't think that's the case at all. I think Microsoft is much better at understanding where the financial situation is going to be five, 10, 15 years down the road with this system than any of us could even begin to comprehend. Um, I'm really kind of surprised that Sony and Nintendo haven't followed that model more quickly,
1: Um,
2: especially given that Sony owned Gaikai long before Microsoft started doing. Um, And so, you know, there's discussions going on in those boardrooms about what does this mean and should we be looking at this? Do I think that Game Pass is going that type of Netflix delivery is going to be the only mechanism? No. I don't and Microsoft clearly doesn't because they allow their first party studios, they allow their internal studios to be day one on Game Pass and then also sell elsewhere. You can you can go buy Sea of Thieves on Steam right now if you want. You can go buy State of Decay mm-hmm. on Steam if you want.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
2: up to the studios that developed it, from what I understand. Microsoft's like, no, you can you can go do that. We don't go go find revenue um and so i don't are we going to see a game that's hit 200 million dollars we already have right um are we going to see a game that hits a half a billion i hope it doesn't get that high but i think somewhere between 200 and 500 we're certainly going to see new new top ends
0: yeah you know when when game pass first started coming around i felt like it was a lot of a lot of the knee jerk reaction were it's a it's a um you know It's a reactionary move to a struggling company like uh, Xbox, not Microsoft. Obviously, Microsoft is never struggling ever, ever. But like Xbox was getting their ass kicked as far as optics and they, they just they admitted defeat basically. And so a lot of people thought that that was the reason I started to think that I think this is a reaction to the free to play mobile space. Because there are far more people that are now willing to be a part of the Fortnite Club and the you know all these monthly subscriptions that are in these these uh, season passes, all this stuff. That is where a lot every one of those games makes they millions and millions of dollars the ones that do really well and if microsoft's confident enough in the games that they're creating that they are going to be games that people are going to want to be engaged in then offering them for a subscription not for free but a subscription still making money right still making money but then also having like hey you want this cosmetic give us a dollar and it's like yay and then a million people give you a dollar in a day like like there are ways to increase revenue and and a lot of the developers that we spoke to that are on Game Pass some of them had different deals altogether like they didn't want to go into the exact detail but we will suggest something that we heard from somebody else and they would they would say oh no we, our deal was a little bit more like this and it's like So, you know, Microsoft is being malleable with that as well. They're, they're not, it's not a one, one size fits all situation. And I think that's why Sony and especially Nintendo hasn't done it because they are big time creatures of old habit, big time. It's, I feel like it's a, it's, it's very, the Japanese way it's, it's very traditionalist. It's very, you know, strict and, and, and just way less fluid in that way, but the shift is coming. If if Microsoft keeps doing what they're doing and it keeps opening eyes and, and that value proposition continues to go down for their competition, the competition is going to have to react to it at some point. It's going to have to happen.
2: I agree with all of that. I also think Microsoft has a clear understanding of the inevitable commoditization of hardware. Um, right. Software is where it's at because... Right. So hardware is harder to design and gets it, it, it devalues itself faster. Um, I'm a pilot. I'm a, the very first game I worked on out of college was a World War II flight simulator. I got a pilot's license. You get magazines. Back then the magazines would be full of ads about, hey, spend all this money on this widget, this physical widget that you have to then have a mechanic install in the dashboard of your airplane, in your cockpit dashboard, and it does this and these days you play those same magazines and there's not an ad for any of that hardware but it's hey download our ipad app and then mount your ipad to the yoke in the airplane and do this and so you can load your ipad up with all this aviation stuff more aviation stuff than you would ever been able to afford when it was all hardware based but it's software based now and the people that wrote that are writing those widgets they don't care, they know Apple's gonna make an iPad. And if Apple doesn't make an iPad, someone's gonna make an Android tablet and right. they'll just port the software over there. They don't have to go through the hassle of designing the hardware. And, and
0: manufacturing it. it and yeah.
2: Right. It. And now, they, granted, there always has to be a target platform. xCloud runs on something. Right now it runs on a bunch of servers that are literally server rack designed versions of Xbox Series Xs. Right. So Microsoft still had to design that hardware. But when you get right down to it, other than a few little edge cases, both the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are commodity PC hardware. They've done a few things differently with memory access between the hard drive and the video card. But we're seeing that come to Windows 11 and being backported to Windows 10 with direct storage. But generally, it's off-the-shelf components. These components are always going to get made so targeting those as a base platform and then saying well this version of that collection of things represents what an xbox is means that they can now focus more on the software side of things and it means that we as consumers may just need to buy a smart tv or maybe just need to buy a dongle and a dongle with an hdmi chip and some sort of microsoft specific chip in it that connects to an xcloud server is a far cheaper manufacturing proposition than here's a $299, $399 Xbox Series X, which nobody can buy right now because of chip shortages. So what we're really looking at all this money invested in R&D and we're not making any revenue off it right now because very few people actually own the damn thing. And right. so going that route makes, it's a, it, everyone tries to compare X pa, Game Pass, excuse me, X Cloud, to the Netflix model and it really isn't. Because there are many, many the movies have always been software. You went to the movie theater because the movie theater only had the hardware with which to play them. But we've had the ability to to get rid of that hardware and see the movie in our family room for literally decades.
0: But and just now, and just think about how what VHS did to exactly. what VHS did to, to movies. It, I mean, you used to spend eighty dollars to a hundred dollars on a movie on what a movie. VHS. Yes. And then how quickly that turned to $20, $10, and then DVDs and Blu-ray. And like all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's just beamed to your TV in, in, in an instant. Video Who games a, is just 40 years behind. That's it. Exactly.
2: Who has a VHS player now? Nobody. Who has a DVD <laughs> player now? Well, some of us can shove DVDs into our game consoles. But people with dedicated DVD players? Nah. Zero. Who, cute and far between. Right. Who owns a TiVo? anymore and that was futuristic not that long ago. Yeah. Those are all dedicated hardware. They've all gone by the wayside. Can we still watch movies? Yes. Can we still record? Well, yeah, cable systems will do the TiVo thing for you. Or you can just go to the, the, the play on demand thing and do the same thing the TiVo was going to do. It's all been replaced with software and it will always be replaced with software. And I think Microsoft just understands that console hardware is an inevitability to be commoditized to the point that it's not worth developing another
1: one. All right. And, and I've always I've always wondered like what would it take to get Sony or Nintendo to do a whole like a Game Pass type model like when their games like Mario Kart 8 Deluxe it's a port of a Wii U game that still sells monster numbers. It's top 10 every month. Right. right. And it's like, well, we could have a service where we have our first party lineup available for a low, low monthly fee of $10 or $20 a month. Here's all of our games. Or we can sell these games at $60 and sell 20 million plus copies. Folks are still buying old ports of, you know, what was the recent one? Skyward Sword for $60. And it it sells out instantly. And it's in the top 10 charts. And it's like, I think it will take a matter of time to get them to, a Game Pass type model, but when they sell 20 plus million copies with the first party games, there's no rush to get to that service for them. Yet. There is a Nintendo
2: exists in a very interesting niche in all of this. Mm. They own, they own mobile gaming.
1: Mm.
2: Um, I don't care how many devices you sell me that can strap my cell phone into something that makes it have the same sort of control layout as a switch. The value proposition is there. The engagement proposition isn't. Mm-hmm. There's something far different between playing a game on a Switch and playing a mobile game on my phone in a Razor Key sheet, or even okay. or even XCloud. And which I do. I mean, I have one of those for XCloud. Mm-hmm. Um Me too. The yes, Switch <laughs> the Switch. And so they are gonna be immune from some of this for a while because of the fact that they have a catalog full of intellectual property that has captured I mean it's it's literally captured the youth for half a century now Mm -hmm. um and those youth continue to grow up and they continue to buy those things and more young ones come in and so the switch is a brilliant device and it sort of goes counter to everything i just said um (laughs) the playstation 5 when you get right down to the guts of it the difference between a playstation and an xbox were really divergent in the playstation 3 xbox 360 era and both of those consoles were very sort of, the Xbox 360 is a complete outlier because the original Xbox was essentially PC hardware. right? And the one and the series are both essentially commodity PC hardware. The PlayStation 3, I mean, all the PlayStations have been a little different. PlayStation 3 was the cell hardware. <coughs> um, but right now, honestly, the difference between those two platforms is very minimal very minimal from, from a, from a, what, what chips are in them sort of standpoint. So Sony already understands that going with commodity hardware is better than developing something like the cell processor. So they are probably closer to the decision that we're talking about, which is at some point the hardware becomes a zero sum game. And so you only focus on the software and you're already starting to see that a little bit. And I think a lot of this has to do with Epic throwing money at them. Um, But you're already seeing PlayStation exclusives show up on the PC right? Right. Um, It's free money. Right. Um, Horizon Zero Dawn. They're using the same engines. They're using Unreal. They're using Unity. So getting them to work on the PC is just an inertia thing. And what overcomes inertia in capitalism, well, money overcomes inertia in capitalism. And Epic is, we've all seen from disclosures from the lawsuit and various other things, Epic is willing to throw money at the inertia problem. And so I think you'll, and even the, the Sony showcase today, many of the games that you saw on that sony showcase today were also listed as being coming on pc coming on other platforms Mm -hmm. and so the era of the exclusivity thing is going to it's already it's been diminishing for a long long time it's going to accelerate the the diminishment and at that point what what does the hardware mean what does the hardware mean versus having the players playing your stuff regardless of how they get to it and again that's why two software is more important than hardware
0: so you 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 think that it's we're closer to a PlayStation app to and an X and just an X Cloud whatever just an app on a smart TV than we are to you know going back to the days of the PlayStation Six and or Seven and
2: I don't I don't know if we're at the end of the console hardware yet but I think we're certainly we even saw this with the PlayStation Four and the Xbox One console generations used to be a definitive five years right years and out and i think the last generation was seven eight
0: Mm
2: -hmm. um you're seeing that extend and so at some point that point it's going to extend to the point that better games will have come out than the hardware that those represent on the streaming services and at that point it makes no sense to do the r d on another platform
1: right
0: that's amazing or at least
2: on another consumer accessible platform you still need to figure out what you're going to be running on the back end but that's a totally different problem domain
0: you're a smart guy there jeff don't let anybody tell you any differently all right
1: oh everyone tells me that on a daily basis <laughs> <laughs> oh this guy looks surprisingly deep yeah no this mm, is this is this deep, is why we do deep.
0: the show man this is why we do yeah. it um now it is time we are we are running we're we're at 50 minutes already so why don't we get into our rapid fire section here oh, um oh, this should be this should be good um, you um
2: the level. okay I'm yeah
0: good. yeah check it check it um so, it's very simple. We're just going to ask you a bunch of silly questions. You're going to get your your, your most heartfelt answers off the cuff. Um, I'm going to start you with an easy one. Is cereal a soup? No. Okay. It's a yeah. stew. Oh. Oh. Well, then.
1: Oh. Uh-huh. Huh. Okay. It's a new one. I like that. I like that. That's a new one uh pineapple on pizza yes or no physically yes it can
2: exist on a pizza
1: preferentially
2: <laughs> i i'm a foodie i have no qualms with a ham and pineapple
0: no qualms you see that andy did okay. you say ham though was ham part of the it ham is part of it yes
1: yes you see you don't no don't see. Do, you don't do pineapple and yeah, anchovy No, it's just pineapple, it was pineapple period.
0: No, No I see, no, I I don't think that that was a caveat ever. I think it's understood that there's a piece of ham if you're, it's a Hawaiian, whatever. And you know what, I digress. What's your Dungeons and Dragons class?
2: Mm. Oh, um, class? Or, I mean, all TAs are literally chaotic neutral, and I'm a
1: thief. Mm. Oh, chaotic neutral thief. I like it. Very good. Is that an agreed upon class for all TAs? Uh, is, it, is it in like the Slack channels, like guys? Just so we all know, just <laughs> who we are. This represents who we are the best. There's
2: also been a recent discussion of, are do all TAs suffer from ADHD? And <laughs> the percentage God. is really high because we all have found a career where we can bounce around about a million different things in a day. I now granted, I'm from the era where you never tested for that, and I literally at the age of 52 plus, I don't want to get tested because i found a career where if i am in fact it's a benefit because if i have to bounce around to a billion different things a day and i don't want to ruin my flow sure but it's the discussion was pretty deep and a lot of people in the community are like oh yeah absolutely
0: yeah i was uh i was diagnosed last year with adhd so i i know about getting it late and i'm like oh yeah that makes sense
2: yeah right yeah. it's you feel exactly like Explains a whole <laughs>
1: hell of a lot. Would you rather have an exact clone of yourself or a million dollars tax-free cash in your hands right now? Oh, the million. Mm. Yeah.
0: Would you rather have the?
2: Wait
0: a second. Hold on. Oh god. Hold on. Oh.
2: No, no, the million because okay. the physical clone cannot be sold as an NFT.
0: So uh, <laughs> that is true. That is I'll true. <laughs> That is true. (laughs) Would you rather have the gift of teleportation or time travel?
2: Well, time is space, so I'll take the teleportation.
0: I like that.
1: Hmm. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Your coworkers get a call one day at the office. You're late to uh, your afternoon meeting, and it turns out you were arrested for a crime. What crime have you committed?
0: Oh, clearly murder. <laughs> <laughs> clearly, it's not even not even a beat what, goes. Wh- what was
2: the
1: weapon?
0: Of oh,
2: the weapon? I'm not gonna tell you for plausible
1: deniability. I don't want you. Gotcha. Guys to tell that's it. her.
0: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> oh a very smart. See, I I think we've met our match. He's also thoughtful. You see that?
1: Five steps ahead of me, this one.
0: (laughs) What is the first animal you want to visit at the zoo?
1: The seals. Ah, see, I was going to ask you, like, zoo or aquarium, but I feel like you're lingering more towards... Aquatic animals, perhaps. The sea creatures.
2: You know, I haven't been to the aquarium in a while. Indianapolis has a better zoo than Chicago, but Chicago has an aquarium,
0: right? Um,
2: and a great aquarium. A very, very good aquarium. Yes. Um The Indianapolis Zoo is really fun, and the I say the seals because that that's right there at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were very, so
0: you were very literal and technical it's with your just answer. Like, it's, the, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not my choice.
1: It's the first thing I have to see when I'm walking the damn place. I'm not going
0: in blindfolded, you idiots. <laughs>
1: Um. Okay. Let's uh think of a good one. Here. Let's get some what good did, ones in. Let, go what, go
0: into your d- dark darkness. I, th- <laughs> I, I I always
1: love asking this one. What is something you have done that should have gotten you killed?
2: What have I done that would have? Oh, that's easy. I'm a pilot.
1: <laughs> well, I yeah, but but was it like a near crash experience you had at some point? Like did? Oh no did no no mean? no. Okay. All right all right. Something that literally should have <laughs> like got. it should have killed you, but you walked away.
2: Uh Okay. Mirac- Miraculously. <laughs> was visiting a friend at a different college, had rented a car, was driving home after not sleeping for about two days, went to pass a truck on a two-lane highway in the back roads of Indiana, and i no one to this day can even explain to me why. That truck was turning left into an abandoned house that had been abandoned for years, and T-boned my car, and it rolled three times and took Ooh. out 150 yards of fence, and I woke up in the hospital.
1: Oh, my wow.
0: God. Wow. Yeah. you. you oh, my wow. God. You might be bionic. <laughs> yeah. I might. I might.
2: Um, also, uh, broke my leg falling off a diving board when I was 15 and sat in the bottom of an eight foot diving well for about two minutes waiting for the lifeguard who had his back to the pool talking to a girl before I decided I needed to save myself because I had figured out what had happened because that sound is, you know what that is.
0: It sounds um, like the, the underwater all, sound or the broken bone sound.
2: The, broken, the, bro- the sound of the bone breaking as you fall off the end of the diving board. You know what that is.
1: Good It Lord. sounds like you were you were almost Jason Voorhees at some point in your life. I, yeah. l- I may have actually <laughs> bad. I think um, that's
0: I think that's why murder was his answer before. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, stay, staying on this on this train of thought. <laughs> yeah, there's something there. <laughs> yes. Um, staying on that train of thought. What is the dumbest way you've injured yourself? Mm.
2: Oh, I fell off a diving board when I was
0: 15. (laughs) (laughs) But you're supposed to fall off the diving board. That's the function.
2: (laughs) Most of me fell off the diving board, but my left foot got hooked on the end.
0: Uh, uh Ah, uh-huh. And
2: so, you know, like you run run to the end of the dive, you jump before you get to the end. So you land on the end to get the spring. Yes, correct. I slipped and my right leg went to the side as I'm falling forward from losing my balance, my left foot got hooked on the end and both bones in my lower leg broke. And I heard that and I sit, I fall to the bottom of an eight foot diving well. Thank goodness I have 15 year old trumpet player marching band lungs. And so I'm just sitting down there waiting for the, waiting for the lifeguard to maybe realize that I haven't come up, but he's got his back to the pool talking to a girl. <laughs> so after about two minutes, I decided I should swim up um and not to put too fine of a point on it when your foot isn't connected to anything then your leg kind of does this because of the water <laughs> creating pain. um and i ended up with uh, my my left leg is an inch shorter than my right leg because the bones are not aligned across, they're aligned next to each other now not on top of each other so that's literally God. probably the stupidest thing i've ever done
1: wow okay okay wow just to just to to continue on this path please (laughs) Please. i really love where we're going so you you're you're in the hospital after your near-death collision you've woken up and you see the doctor he says i'm sorry jeff but we've had to amputate your dot 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 what is a body part you wouldn't mind losing
2: oh my right big toe
0: that's very specific. Your right, That's big toe. The right, big toe. Do you, you have, have? it wrong in some way? Yeah. Do you have some sort of beef? Like what's?
2: I, I have a beef so with Sort of vendetta. <laughs> <Yeah.
0: laughs> uh, would you rather have the power of flight or invisibility?
2: I already have the power of flight, so I'll take invisibility.
1: Heard that. Oh, my very kind smart of guy. Very smart. Would you rather have edible spaghetti hair that regrows every night, or would you rather sweat? Not sweet. Maple syrup. I'm going to take the spaghetti because one mm. of the things I've learned being a man
2: in middle age who doesn't necessarily have all of the hair upstairs mm-hmm. is I sweat out of that spot, and I would not want to sweat maple syrup. Out of
0: that <laughs> <spot>. <laughs> would you rather explore the deepest, darkest parts of our ocean with no with no threat to your life? We figured out the technology, and same caveat, a faraway planet. Planet. Mm-hmm. 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 Those are some of my is, go-tos. I like those.
1: Is it o- okay to sleep with socks on?
2: It is, but my subconscious self believes it isn't. So when I wake up in the morning, I'm no longer wearing them, and that really still freaks me mm. out.
1: Yeah, every time. Mm. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's see. We've got a couple more, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to get some some classics. Oh, uh, is is a is a hot dog a sandwich or a taco?
2: Uh, they are both the same.
0: Okay. Okay. So,
2: I mean, the, the 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 what is it? The not the uh, oh.
1: a, hot dog. a taco is literally a hot dog by that property. I was gonna say, could you call like, is a taco a hot dog? Taco is totally a hot dog.
2: Yeah. Well, no, it isn't though, because re- this week it came out that if you eat a hot dog, it takes thirty six minutes off your life, but no one has said. That a taco reduces your life expectancy.
0: That is true. That is true. But they did say something added it that added to your life expectancy. that I want to try and remember it.
2: Better be tacos.
0: <laughs> that would be. Oh man, I that would be. Like, I would, I would I, be so old when I die. So I feel old. Like I should not be alive. <laughs> given that With hot the hot dog. Milk. Yeah. No. That's <laughs> my dad is on borrowed time. Uh, he he can't have a hot dog without having three hot dogs, and I have the same illness, so we don't buy hot dogs. <laughs> like that's that's just okay. that's the only way. That's the only way. Um um You don't eat
2: the gas station roller hot dogs, do
0: you? I'll eat any hot dog. No, I eat the dirty water dirty water dogs. Uh, I'll Bender do Times Square cart. Yep, a Nathan's dog. I will microwave a hot dog. I don't give a shit. I will I'm a big big time fan of franken eggs frankfurters chopped up in some scramby eggs oh my god get out of town so so delicious so delicious i'll eat i'll eat a hot dog uh anyway and as soon as i find out what's in it i will not be deterred i will continue to eat it
1: (laughs) i will eat them out of spite
0: yes (laughs) (laughs) these are delicious hooves Give me that cancer stick mm, cartilage here's a, um,
2: hour, here's a half hour here's a half hour. Like, <laughs> about every year he's like 72 in a sitting
0: yeah yeah so he's, taking,
2: he's taking like 15 years off his life
0: at but this point. At, just in competitions but like in preparation right. of those competitions oh, the training regimen <laughs> training regimen he's literally he's he's he, <laughs> What's his insurance look like with this statistic that comes out? What his insurance company's like? Uh, yes, uh, we I'm have sure
1: they've, gone up this year. they've gone up this week. Yeah,
0: your premiums are now two hundred thousand dollars a month. Thank you. Goodbye. Good his Lord. His
1: insurance? What does his plumber cost? <laughs> fuck the insurance. <laughs>
0: All right Andy, let's get let's get another one from you. Uh, then I'll do the final. Yeah,
1: so this is this, this is this is a fun one. Uh what word best describes you when you've had a little bit too much to drink?
2: Quiet. Wow. Okay,
1: you're yeah. you're, you're the, you go you get quiet. Okay. Oh.
2: It's a weird flip for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was going to say. Oh. But I kind of see it cuz yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah.
0: All right. Let's get this. This is the final question of the show. It is the question that we've asked all of our guests. Uh, some of these questions we ask all of our guests, but this is the the most difficult question. As a uh, technical artist, as a as a father, as a uh, as pilot. a human being, as a pilot, <laughs> like there are no, there's no question that you have been asked or ever will be asked that will be more important okay. ever. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm going to look in the right camera here because it's very important that you understand that. It is a binary answer. It is this or that. That's it. There are two choices.
2: That's a Boolean answer.
0: Yes. Andy or Steve?
2: Ooh. Huh. You didn't give me last names, so I'm going to go with Andy.
0: Okay. Mm. Well, he's Greek, so... You know, he's right got a there. Greek last name. I,
2: no, but I didn't yeah. know
1: that
0: we were talking about you two. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see.
1: That's good. No, that's good. It just that's it's that's just some Andy he knows. It's just some Andy. Yeah. Over me probably. Andy Kaufman
0: <laughs> and Andy Richter. I don't know. It could be anyone. <laughs> could be anyone. Plus, I spell my name with a ph, which just makes me pretentious. So I know. I understand. Or at least my parents a little bit. Little my parents ladies and gentlemen that is going to bring us to the end of the show if you want to follow us on social media we are dual underscore screens i'm at batch out 27 andy's at pants guy our twitch is twitch.tv slash dual screen streams and our facebook group is facebook.com slash group slash ds podcast jeff where can everybody follow you everybody follow volition what are the what are the goods tell everybody
2: uh, let's see twitter for volition is at volition twitter for me is at jeff underscore hannah um facebook i tend to only do friends on no offense to everybody but you know that's where my friends and i keep in touch and besides facebook tracks too much information from us anyways and those glasses they released today freak me out um <laughs> but yeah that's it my mostly twitter if you want to see me if, if, join my twitter at, at underscore jeff unders, at jeff underscore hannah especially if you want to spend see me spend all of my time railing against my local Congress, House Representative.
0: <laughs> oh, excellent! Oh, it's gonna yeah. get spicy. I <laughs> wow. like that. Let's get <laughs> Ooh, spicy. I like
1: it. I like sure. it. It's spicy.
0: Thank you very much, Jeff, uh, for being on the show. is an absolute pleasure hanging out with you. We got to do this oh, again sometime. This was fun. Yeah, this was great. I, I really enjoyed this a lot. Uh, Andy, thank you as always. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, viewers. And as always, please be excellent to each other.